Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, we, we honor you this morning. And I just want to thank you for your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're worthy. Father, thank you for your goodness. We sang this morning, Lord, that you're so good. God, you are so good. And so we thank you and we bless you. We honor you this morning for your goodness. Lord, thank you for the blood of Jesus that we can set that, that we can be set free. Only by the blood of Jesus are we set free. So, Lord, thank you this morning for the precious blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Father, we honor you. We bless you. God, this morning you are King of Kings, you're Lord of Lords. You're on your throne this morning. And we just want to bless you. And so, Lord, this morning, as we continue this service, I pray that we could honor you. I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears. Give us understanding, Father. Thank you for your love for each one of us. And, Lord, that your plan for us is to learn and to grow and to prosper. Uh, And, Lord, give us the courage and the direction and the strength to do that and so father i just pray you would keep ministering to my heart keep ministering to our hearts and we just bless you and honor you lord and thank you in jesus name amen all right bless you for worshiping this morning and just singing uh from your hearts to god and just verbally and i hope it's more than just words this morning but that it really came from your heart the first song, I think it was the first song we sang, was that I'm desperate for you. And I really wonder how desperate re- we uh, really are for God this morning. Because we're going to talk about uh, this this morning. If it's not important, you'll find an excuse. If it's important, you will find a way. And so in just thinking about that this morning, if you're really desperate for God, you're going to find a way. If you're not desperate for God, you're going to find an excuse. Uh, So we'll talk about that in a little bit. uh, But before we get there, uh, we're going to do the offering uh, and and a few announcements. So the offering is for the building fund this morning, I think. Uh, So, Daniel, if you want to get ready for that, uh, we'll pass that. And then we have uh, several announcements and then we'll keep going with the service. Father in heaven, thank you so much again that you have the power to redeem. Uh, Lord, we praise you this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for the way that you blessed us. Uh, we have jobs. We have houses. Uh, we have vehicles. We have food in our fridge. Lord, we're so blessed. And so we just want to say thank you. But Lord, help us to be good stewards with what you blessed us with as well. And so as we give this morning pray a blessing on the gift and the giver in Jesus name. Amen. All right, a few announcements that we have uh, coming up next Sunday uh, is the Sunday that Bethel invited us to come. And I know, uh, so what we, for those of you that aren't aware of what's going on, uh, they have, they invited us uh, for a service there for next Sunday morning. They have, uh, it's called Light of Hope. Some people may know them as Gap Amy. So their family is going to be doing the service there next Sunday morning. Uh, their service starts at 9 o'clock. We're invited to go there, 
but if you don't want to, we're also going to have a service here. So you can choose whether you want to go to Bethel or whether you want to go here because uh, I know there's some people that want to go to Bethel and some people would rather stay here. So uh, it is your choice. Uh, Seth is going to be uh, running with the service here next Sunday morning. We plan to be at Bethel. Uh, and so it's up to you whether you want to attend Bethel next Sunday morning or come here. Uh, it doesn't doesn't matter to me, but it's uh, your choice. But that's what's happening at Bethel. Uh, they invited us for that service, and so I know there's several people who are planning to go there uh, next Sunday. So it's there or here. Um, the there's a volleyball tournament coming up. Dave, do you want to tell us about that and just update us on what it is and when it is? Where's it going to be? Oh, sorry. Okay. All right. So there's a volleyball tournament coming up. Um, and so uh, I like to think of if you want to be adventurous why or why put a team in. There we go. All right. So that's coming up uh, April 1st. Uh, another thing in, with, in January here, uh, we're not having men's meeting in the month of January. Uh, part of that is due to my schedule uh, and... I have something going every Monday evening. Uh, it's I'm part of uh, taking a life awakening training. Ernest and Yvonne are involved. Keith is there as well. Uh, and so with that and the ladies thing starting every other Thursday night, uh, it, it makes it for a busy schedule. And so men's meeting, we're just going to wait till February. We're going to skip it in January. All right. Any other announcements? Anything coming up that you want to announce? All right, how about birthdays this week? Do we have any birthdays coming up this week? Mavi, when is your birthday? Do you know? On Wednesday. That's awesome. All right, we're going to sing happy birthday for Maverick. Happy birthday to you. Maverick, happy birthday to you. All right, he finds his, uh, his, his head gets into uh, his mom's shoulder. Were you saying Anna's birthday is this week too? <laughs> When's your birthday, Anna? This coming Saturday. We can do a little faster for Anna, I think. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Anna. Happy birthday to you. All right, someone else? Okay. Well, happy birthday, Anna. Happy birthday, Maverick. Hopefully, you have a really good week. All right, so we're, our, our theme this uh, quarter for church is drawing near to God. And last week, we talked about what? What did Ernest share about? Happy birthday. Oh. I don't know what she said, but anyway, who, 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 I, I heard, I heard the fasting. All right. Very good. And so 
Fasting is uh, a very vital part about drawing out of God. Now, did any of you fast this week? Or did it make a difference? Or are we just coming to church and listening and hearing and leaving and not applying what we heard? I will raise both of my hands because I look at my life in the past. Uh, I am very guilty of that, of going to church, being there and leaving and not doing anything about it. Uh, but so last uh, week, Ernest talked about fasting and that integral part, that important part of fasting. And so I'm encouraging you to fast. Let's really do what, what Scripture says. And James talks about being doers of the word and not hearers only. So uh, that, was, that was last week. About a month ago, our family, right over uh, Christmas and New Year's, our, month, our, our family went to Florida. We flew out Christmas Day and came home the following week. And we flew from Baltimore down to Tampa. So we drove down to Baltimore in the afternoon and got there, uh, parked our car, went into, you know, got checked in, go all the way to our gate, and we're sitting there, and soon they're ready to board. And so we stand. Uh, and if you're familiar with Southwest, you know, they, they, or they uh, board by uh, sections. And so we're standing there, ready to board. And they come, they go over the intercom and they say, we're missing a flight crew. And so we're just going to wait. You might as well sit down. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is going to be a little while because this is not just going to be a 10-minute thing. Uh, and we had no idea what was going on at that point. Uh, it was the start of what happened with Southwest, if you were following the airlines at all, that week. Uh, it was right after all that cold weather and all the storms over Christmas. And what happened with the storms, uh, Southwest system uh, went, it overloaded and just crashed. Uh, so their whole IT system and everything was just uh, went to pot. And so what happened was the, the employees didn't know which flight they were supposed to be on. They didn't know when they're supposed to go to work. And so here we had a flight. We were ready to go, and they were missing a flight attendant, and they won't go without, without a full staff. But uh, we learned that the flight attendants didn't um, know where they're supposed to go because their system was shut down. We did get a flight attendant several hours later, and I think we showed up in Tampa about three hours later later than what we were going to. But then to come home, we were planning to come home on Saturday, and this started getting worse. During the week, we kept reading and learning about all these flights. Literally, I think they canceled like 15,000 flights during that week. And we're like, oh, great. Uh, we want to make sure we get home. We were committed because we wanted to go home on Saturday. And so during the week... We were checking other options, uh, checking other airlines, checking other airports, just really keeping an eye on what's going on with Southwest because come Saturday, we wanted to be home. That was our goal. We were committed to being home. I even threw out the idea of driving home, but it didn't get much further than out of my mouth, and it got shut down real quick <laughs> driving home from Florida. 
but we love to fly. My life, wife loves to fly. I love to fly. Uh, so that wasn't an option. But we were committed to coming home on Saturday. We were going to do what we needed to do, if at all possible, to get home. We wanted to get home on Saturday. We wanted to find a way. So because of that's really what we wanted to do, we were going to go this way or that way or go over obstacles in order to make it happen. So the definition of committed means feeling dedicated and loyal to a cause, activity, or job, wholehearted. So it really came down to how bad did we want to go home. We wanted to go home pretty bad. Obviously bad enough that we were going to do what we need to do to try to get a flight home. How, how bad do you want to draw close to God? Do you really want to draw close to God? And will you overcome the obstacles or try different avenues if what you're doing is not working? How bad do you want it? We're going to look at two stories this morning. First story is in Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to read some of this. In Genesis chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, we know this story, but we're going to read it and see what we can learn. I'm going to read two stories, and then we're going to compare the two stories. This was after God had created Adam and Eve. Uh, God created this beautiful garden. God put Adam in the garden. He gave him some very clear instructions about this beautiful garden. This was the life. This was the place to be for Adam and for Eve. And it's very clear. Uh, God made some very clear instructions of what they may all have and what they may not have. So we have Adam and Eve living in this beautiful garden. And here's what happened. Chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which God has made. He said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat of it, nor you shall touch it lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good from evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes. The tree was desirable to make one wise. She took of it, of its fruit, and ate. She also gave to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. They made for themselves coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And his wife hid, him, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. I'm going to stop right there. We know the story, but what I want us to remember, or what I want you to put in your mind right now from this story, is verse 1. The serpent came to Eve, and she asked Ask her a question, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? The woman said, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, we may not eat it. 
Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. And then in verse 6, the beginning of verse 6, it tells us that Eve saw the tree that was good for food. So I don't know what all else was going through Eve's mind at that point, but she definitely had a choice to make at that point, and she was thinking, all right, God said I'm not allowed to. Satan is telling me to. So what do I do? We don't know how long Eve was processing this, but I'm sure that she had some time that she was processing. Shall I do this? Or shall I not do this? Okay, next story. Daniel chapter 1. We know the story of Daniel, but we're going to look at uh, this story here uh, this morning as well. In Daniel chapter 1. We know that Daniel, what happened uh, with Daniel, we don't know much about his, his uh, what, what, what happened up until this point, obviously. But Daniel chapter 1. It says, in the third year of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of the God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuch, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants, and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the kingdom, or in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them daily provision of the king's delicacies of wine, which he drank. Three years of training for them. At the, so at the end of the time, they, might not, they may serve before the king. Now, from among those sons of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, to them the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, Azariah he called Abednego. Verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I'm going to stop right there. So we have... A king coming and taking over people and taking captive. And Daniel gets taken captive. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They even get taken new names. Out of their culture, away from their families, into a foreign land. Now this is quite a bit of a different story, a different setting than Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in the perfect setting. The Garden of Eden. Everything was just beautiful. Daniel was in an other country taken captive. Complete difficult situation. Complete difficult story. Being taken captive away from your family. Verse 8 tells us something about Daniel. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile the king and by eating the king's food and we go on and we see the we see Daniel we see his three friends we know the story of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego I'm going to talk about that just a little bit as well because they were his three friends we have 
uh, I think it's in chapter 4, no, sorry, chapter 3, where Nebuchadnezzar was the king, and he built this huge image of gold, massive structure. This is a huge ordeal. He says, everyone, come together. We're going to bow down and worship this great image. And he makes it very clear, gives them instructions that when we start playing the music, you bow down to my image. Fully expecting everyone to bow down to his image. I really believe there was no question. But if you don't, in case there's a few of you that don't, I'm going to start a fire over here, a fiery furnace, and if you don't, we'll throw you in there. And so everyone gets together, and they have, they're having this big grand time, and the music starts playing, and everyone starts bowing down, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not bowing down. And I don't know what, uh, how, how the king uh, responded to them right away, if he was angry, if he was giving them grace. Uh, wait a second, guys. Do you really understand what is going on here? I have a golden image. Everyone needs to bow down to it. If you don't bow down, guys, we're going to throw you into this fiery furnace. And those three guys, they say, hey, king. It doesn't matter what you do. You can play the music again. We're not going to bow down. They had predecided that they're not going to bow down. They purposed in their heart that they're not going to bow down. And they didn't bow down. We know the story. We're not going to talk about that story. Um, we're not going to go further into detail. But what I want us to get is these two stories. We have Adam and Eve in this perfect setting versus these guys that are in a difficult setting. Both of them have uh, choices to make. Eve, in this perfect setting, Satan comes and says, Hey, do you see the tree of the... You can eat of that tree. It's good. And Eve sits there, or sits, or stands, and processes this. You know what? Hmm. Maybe it is okay if I eat the tree, or eat of the fruit of that tree. It does really look good. I am really hungry. And she gives in to the temptation. We have the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel, obviously, in the in the earlier in the book with the king's food, but let's talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not bowing down. They were in a situation where their life is at stake. If I don't bow down, I'll get thrown in that fiery furnace. And they make it clear, but they also, when they're talking to the king, they said, if, if God chooses to set us free, he will. So that's in their back of their mind. They know the God that they're serving. He's able to deliver them if he decides. Here's what I want to get from the two stories. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego predecided what they're going to do when they need to make a choice. Eve did not. 
if Eve would have predecided and said, you know what, we're living, I, I know I'm in the Garden of Eden, Satan's going to, if Satan comes and tempts me, I'm not going to give in to temptation. I'm not going to give it a second thought. I'm going to write it off. We'd have a different story of Eve. And so my question to you is, do you predecide what you're going to do with temptations? Do you predecide what you're going to do when difficulty is going to come? Because it's going to come. A challenge is going to come. And I want to encourage us this morning to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what comes. I'm going to be committed to God. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to even process temptation. I'm committed. I'm predetermining. I'm going to commit myself to God and not give in. Do it beforehand. Do not wait until the moment to decide who you're going to live for. Predecide today, this morning, who you're going to live for and the decisions and the choices that you're going to make and stay committed uh, to God. Live, decide now that you will live fully for God. So how committed are you? Again, if it's not important to you, you will find an excuse. If it's important to you, you will find a way. If your commitment level to God is important to you, you're going to find a way to make that happen. If it's not important, you're going to find an excuse. I, need a med- I didn't even think about it. Isaiah, can you go somewhere and find me a marker? I need a marker for the... Uh, Grace and find a go in one of the classrooms and find uh, a marker. So, and just thinking of this, how committed are you? Uh, I want us to to learn here this morning to predecide to be committed to God, to predecide to draw close to God. No matter what circumstances we have, let's draw close to God. All right, we're going to do something else this morning. I'm going to make a line here. And I'm going to put one, a number of 168. Does anyone have any idea what 100, the number 168 means? Or what I'm getting at? 14 feet. <laughs> the measurements, good job, Steve. I didn't even think of measurements. That is great. I love it. 14 feet. All right. So we have a, a 14. And we could break this into feet, but we're going to break it into numbers. There are 168 hours in each week. Okay, so seven days times 24 comes out to 168 hours. And so we're going to break this down a little bit. And so if we go eight hours of sleep per day times seven comes out to 56 hours. So about 56 of our hours... We spend sleeping, and another, let's go another 50 hours for us Lancaster County workmen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this a man schedule here. Uh, 50 hours of work per week takes us to uh, 106 hours in a week that we're spending. Uh, now, the 
average social media usage right now, they're saying, is about 17 hours per week. So we're going to go with that. All right, so about 17 hours per week is spent on social media. So now we are at, what, 123? 50, yeah. Yeah, 123. So now we're at 123 hours out of 168 hours. Uh, and so we have this section that we do other stuff with. And in here we have, so we're down to 48, 45 hours, uh, according if I did my calculations right. Uh, in this section right here, we have 45 hours to do other stuff. And that other stuff can be uh, just anything. It can be mowing the lawn. It can be getting groceries. It can be cleaning your house, cleaning your vehicle, cleaning your barn, uh, pulling weeds, running errands, running your children to where we're in this stage right now, ball practice and back basketball practice. And so it gets, we're talking about all these things. Uh, just house projects, filling up your, cow, uh, your car with gas, changing the oil, uh, just all the other stuff is right in here in this 45 hours. So those 45 hours, when we do all other stuff, it goes pretty quick, I think. If you're like me, uh, you have, we have no, no problem at all filling in this time right here with other stuff. Oh, yeah, we're Christians, so we should have some time. We should have some time in here dedicated to God, right? But how important is it to you? In your 168 hours this week, how important is your relationship with God that you're going to take time in here and focus on drawing close to God. The more time we spend with God, the we know that we draw close to God, God's going to draw close to us. The more, spend more time we spend with God, the more we're going to grow. Is it any wonder why we have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the term lukewarm Christians, or Christians that you don't see bear much fruit because you spend 56 hours sleeping, you spend hours working, you spend time on social media. This here time, all you're doing is your errands and running around with your projects that this time gets taken up so quickly that, oh yeah, our time with God, we don't have any left in a week. Because it's not important. Or is it for you? And so when you look at this chart, how much time do you have in your 168 hours that you really spend committed to God, committed to getting to know God, to reading his word, to scripture, uh, to praying, to interacting? If it's not important, you'll find an excuse. If it's an important, if it is important, you're going to find a way. One of the reasons that I see as a problem in this 45 hours with us as Christians is resistance. 
it's not, it doesn't just come naturally for us to spend time with God. I have yet to find, and actually I'm not even going to look for it anymore because it's not going to happen, a person that has a vital relationship with God. I mean, it, he or she is bearing fruit, fruits of the Spirit. You can just tell they have a connection with God. And it just happened by accident. They were just going along as just with their life, whatever their flesh desires, they do. Uh, they sleep in when they want to sleep in. They just, uh, if they want to read their Bible, if it's convenient, they will. If not, they won't. And all of a sudden, bam, they have a great relationship with God. That's not going to happen. It takes intention, intentionality. It takes persistence. It takes pushing through your connection with God. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Not going the easy route. Taking the route that you know is right. Isaiah, do me a favor. There's two sticks up there behind Jason. Uh, we're going to do one more illustration here before we, before we move on. Yesterday, I went out on our lawn. Thank you. And I got two sticks. They're about the same length. Actually, this one's a little fat, fatter than this one. But I went out in the lawn and found these two sticks. This one was laying on the ground. So all I had to do was, was pick it up. All right? So I, I picked it up and brought it along. It was laying there. It looks like it had fallen off a while ago. Uh, it's a dead branch. It's, it wasn't connected to anything. It's dry. This thing's going to burn pretty quick, probably, if, if we put some uh, fire to it. It's pretty hard. It's brittle. It cracks just over, you know, a little bit of pressure. It, it breaks. Throw it in the fire. This thing's going to burn out. There's no life in this thing. It was just laying on the ground. The next one, I went out about the same length. I had to get a saw to cut it off of the tree. So it was connected to the tree. You can see it had has life because there's little buds on it. So it bears fruit unlike that one. It doesn't easily snap under pressure. It does after giving enough pressure, but a live branch won't snap under pressure like a dead one will because there's life there. It's connected. It's bearing fruit. So, we have two different branches. In John 15, John says, he says very clear, he says, we are branches. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. He that bears fruit, he that abides in me, bears fruit. If you don't abide in me, you don't bear fruit. So, we are a branch. We're we're. Either this branch or this branch. It's one or the other. If we are connected, if we're abiding in Christ, this is us. We won't snap easily. We won't burn easily. We're bearing fruit. We are connected. 
If you're not connected, you're like this one. Laying on the ground, dead. You're going to snap easily, and it'll burn just like that. There's no life in this branch. So how committed are you to staying connected to the vine, connected to the tree, connected to your source of life this morning? How important is it to you? If staying connected to the vine, to Jesus Christ, if that is important to you, you're going to find a way. If it's not important to you, you're going to find an excuse and you're going to become disconnected like a dead branch. So I want you to pre-decide this morning like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that this week I'm going to be committed to Jesus Christ. I'm going to be committed to staying attached to the vine. Even though some circumstances may come up, but when they come up, I'm not going to be like even process it and then give in temptation. We're going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and know right where we stand. I'm going to read one other thing here uh, that A.W. Tozer wrote in a book in, in closing up and wrapping up here. He says this, what must our Lord think of us if his work and his witness depend upon the convenience of his people? The truth is, Every advance that we make for God and for his cost must be made at our inconvenience. If it does not inconvenience us at all, there's no cross in it. If we've been able to reduce spirituality to a smooth pattern and it costs us nothing, no disturbance, no bother, no element of sacrifice in it, we're not getting anywhere with God. We stopped and we pitched our tent, an unworthily tent halfway between the swamp and the peak. We are mediocre Christians. Was there ever a cross that was convenient? Was there ever a convenient way to die? I've never heard of any. And judgment is not going to matter. Of, wait a second. I've never heard of any. And judgment is not going to be a matter of convenience either. Yet we look around for convenience. Think we can reach the mountain peak conveniently without trouble and danger to ourselves. Actually, mountain climbers are, in, are always in peril. They're always advancing in their inconvenience. I love that. Predecide to be committed to Christ. Stay connected to the vine. Draw close to God and he's going to draw close to you. If it's not important to you, you'll find an excuse. If it's important to you, you're going to find a way. Bless you. Seth, go ahead. I'll just turn the time uh, over to you.